just doing a little Uber pool with Henry Rollins and the rat guy. <laughs> Which I wish I would have been there for that. Craft. That's a double act, really, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. The rat guy's the opener, but you know half the crowd's there to see him. Yeah. Hello and welcome to Did I Do That? It's a show about the mistakes that we make on the way to making graphic design, because it's all part of the process. I am Sean Schumacher, and joining me today, a very special guest, an old friend of mine, actually maybe the oldest friend that I have in Portland. He's an illustrator, he's an art director, he's a consultant, he has an internet famous cat. I don't know if fame, I don't know, I feel like... You're... You have fan art of your cat. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely people that are, but it's not one of those like. He doesn't have an agent. He's not going to have the grumpy cat experience of still being on things. Partly because we never made his own account. And I also think Cheeto was not the best name looking back in terms of being a sort of (laughs) unique name and marketable well he but he's very cheeto like he's yeah, crunchy yeah, yeah. pet him stuck the, in your teeth when yeah. you pet him you get just orange all yeah. over your hands and oh, you're man. just like ah yeah instead of hair you just have orange on your clothes <laughs> you can't wear black he's a very crumbly boy anyway <laughs> i'm joined by jason sturgill hi jason hello thank you for joining me uh, on this very stupid show oldest friend i'm but curious. it's true but so where would you say in terms of kate and because you were in the mfa we thing. met basically at the same time yeah so I I moved up to Portland many, many eons ago, and I got into the master's program up here. Of fine art. Of fine art. The master's of fart, um, (laughs) which is another, if you just want to abbreviate it, that's the usual way. There's not any other way to abbreviate it. Um, Mofart. Mofart. (laughs) Well, that's that's that new museum that's opening in downtown LA, the Mofart. Oh, that Um, that should be a... um... Portland needs like a fine art museum that's like modern art. (laughs) Specific. We went totally different ways with. That. <laughs> oh no! I think I think that would be good. I think it would be very Portland to have a modern art museum that was called Mofart. Yeah, I mean that would be great. I was thinking like this is probably a trend that peaked around 2019. The Instagram museum, where it was just like a weird museum that had nothing in it, but admission was thirty dollars. Oh, and you would just the, take that's a photo- real thing. Yes, this is a it's real not the thing. color museum or the. Uh, I don't know if the color museum is one of those, but like the the museum of ice cream is kind of part of yeah, this yeah, yeah. although that's a little bit more elaborate now yeah um god there was one the color one was cool there's one we up went. in seattle that was just the most sad one that i've mm. ever seen yeah because <laughs> it was just like a room they and it was money on 40 dollars to get into this yeah, room exactly i bet that is great in yeah. terms of finances but i feel like that's what yayo kusama all of her installations have become this like oh yeah you go to it you put it on instagram yeah she could be making bank from and, that and then there well in like her infinity rooms the whole experience is going and being surrounded by all like that i don't know if you saw i might have shown you when i came back from it but part of the installation one of the pieces that you could interact with was they had like coloring sheets basically like oh. i think they were in the shape of a fish like the outline but then you could kind of color it whatever you wanted and so i made obviously a cheeto fish yes it had the cheeto face on it and then you would scan it in and projected on the wall all around you was like an aquarium with these moving fish but they were all generated <gasps> oh from the you did tell that, me about this yes yeah that's very cool. It was pretty amazing. That was the most, I think, interactive, and a lot of it was just like lights and take a photo. And... <laughs> 
<laughs> but it was really cool. I mean, everybody, I recommend it to everybody that goes. I should circle back around, though, because I remembered what we were talking about at the very beginning, how we met. So I came here for school. You also came here for school that same year. I was in Portland. I've lived here forever. And, yeah. But I came to PSU for grad school. So I was in the social practice program, which was interesting. And yeah, I'm still not sure how it fits into <laughs> what... <laughs> my whatever path is going to be but yeah i think it's good for students to remember too that like what you go to school for can be really radically different also than what you end up doing my undergrad was marketing yeah and so these first design forays like i didn't even think of graphic design being an occupation oh really no i just i mean it's so funny because you hear a lot of people say that like oh i didn't know graphic design was a job but yeah i had no sort of thought it's weird it's weird that people don't think that because you look around and everything is designed and somebody must have done that. But so we met in grad school and I think we hadn't really talked until we went on this weird trip to a beach house. Oh, a beach trip. Yeah. The oh, beach, right. the programs booked a beach house. And when we got there, it was so foggy that you could not actually see that there was a beach or ocean or really anything. Yeah. <laughs> you couldn't really see 10 feet in front of you. So I did not actually see the ocean that entire time. <laughs> like I have a terrible memory, but like there's things that I remember. I think that was the first time I connected with Carmen as well. Oh, yeah. Really awesome artist. Program. And we actually came up with a project together at the beach. So he was in the MFA program in social practice and he was blind. I kind of was trying to think of like collaborations because I've always liked the idea of doing collaborations and I just don't do enough of it. But he had talked about accessibility and running into issues because I was like, how do you like come to school from living like he lived across the river? Yeah. I was just like, I couldn't imagine like I'm blind in my left eye and I just can't imagine being fully blind and, and having to have those obstacles after hearing about his sort of just having to deal with that like I was like oh it would be interesting if I gave you a digital camera and every time that you came onto one of those obstacles like you just take a picture yeah he didn't necessarily know what the obstacle was and, and it produced some really beautiful photos yeah do you remember that I do yeah and I we, do and then we got the bus in the mall to display the photos like oh I didn't remember that part oh yeah we I like I contacted TriMet and like asked if we could borrow a bus and we parked it in the park blocks Oh my god! And then I actually had them print the placards or whatever the, that you call them, like the advertisement. Oh wait, I do remember this because I was on the bus. At yeah, I was gonna say you had to, I, you had, had to have gone. So the play, yeah. the things that were the advertisements, we had them print as the photos and the different sort of documentation that went with that. I was looking back, I'm proud of that project. You've done some really, really cool projects like that. I enjoyed that part of the social practice program a lot in terms of just like doing conceptual projects that, I mean, I wish I was doing more of it now, but now I'm just a loner person <laughs> You're sitting, a rebel, in my, <laughs> sitting in my kitchen, toiling away, drawing, <laughs> doodling. Your, your beautiful kitchen. My yeah. breakfast nook office. You do beautiful work and you have a beautiful kitchen. It seems great thanks yeah welcome to compliment circle this is this is a new segment on the podcast compliment circle where we compliment jason you gotta redo it so it's used every episode it's 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 not a portable jingle is the problem replace the name every time i'll do that so it'll be like compliments corner welcome designer name goes here tk 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 to the podcast (laughs) or whatever something like that yeah. yeah that'd be good yeah 
<laughs> seamless seamless is what it is i feel like there must be so many i mean maybe it's just me because i'm good at distracting people from the conversation that was at hand <laughs> and then you realize like how did we get from this point to this point I, it's best not to think about that well, with this show like, how does that become a coherent conversation oh if, you're, if, you, if coherence is what you're going for yeah. you will not find it here yeah this is a dumb show <laughs> This well, is a dumb, bad show. Oh, I really enjoyed it. Just recently, I thought of ICQ. Did you ever use that? Oh, yeah. Like I, I never used app. it, but I remember it. it. Yeah. Which had a flower logo. Yeah. Which Sarah doesn't remember. My wife doesn't remember. Was she just straight up AOL Instant Messenger? I feel like there was a lot of different competing things at there that point. There were. And like, it, it's kind of funny. Like AOL Instant Messenger had some legs. Like I feel like people were still using that yeah. pretty frequently when I moved up here. Because there was integration into like Mac. Yeah, 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 yeah. There was like almost a Mac product or something. Yeah, and I'm sure there's still little vestiges oh, yeah. somewhere in there yeah, yeah. in the messages app. But yeah, I feel like I didn't really get very many text messages until like 2013 or so. Were you ever in a work environment where messages was just like they had it set up so you use messages as a internal communication form? No. So it was before you were texting with it, yeah, it was, but just used in that way where it was an internal, like a little mini Slack. Yeah, yeah, that's wild. And then they got rid of that at some point, and I remember people were upset about it, but <laughs> oh, they knew what it was going to turn into. I guess ten competing worst platforms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. or just texting. Yeah, because people don't have to pay for it per text anymore. <laughs> mostly, that was crazy. Like people you, still do that. I people guess people still, still do that. Get, yeah. Did you think about like when I was first on the internet, we paid by the minute for internet. Oh yeah, and that was like the way to do it. Sarah and I shared a phone like when cell what? phones just when cell phones came out. How did that even work? We shared a phone <laughs> and we would like give it to each other depending. I mean we were with each other most of the time. Yeah. I remember it being a thing where we would go to small like indie shows and we were the only ones with a cell phone and it would oh. like ring and we were like the pariahs of <laughs> The show. <laughs> you the symbol of everything wrong with modern life. Exactly. And that that was the time of the palm, Get here, palm pilot. Wall Street. I think we had a I had a palm pilot Ooh. like quickly after that. See, you got on the right train. I was on the Newton train. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was a train that was going to nowhere. Oh well Palm Pilot. That didn't last very long. I, I don't know. I mean that stylus. was the platform for it was, a while. It's crazy just thinking about Trio. it with the stylus and um, gonna have all these like kids that are still in school that are like going to have to research what these things are. They're going to be like <laughs> mysterious devices. Yeah, so back in the day, you had like a really bad iPhone that had no phone in it, uh, but it did have like a fax modem and you that could you take, could attach. take really good notes. <laughs> you could take, uh, really good is being generous. <laughs> sort of good. Well, and I can remember and you the, could sync stylus, them. the stylus was like registered your handwriting. Oh, it was graffiti. It was a special, you had to learn how to write in a special way. Oh, that's <laughs> right. Pilot, because it was too bad to know how to register it. Yeah, that's got to have messed up a lot of people's handwriting. Oh. Yeah, it's funny. There's so many things like that that I'm like, I haven't thought about it forever. Yeah. And when you think about it, it's like so weird. But like so much of it is like the Apple Pencil is just a very fancy stylus that's very expensive. And yeah. Better. Exactly. But well, and I was looking very at- Very expensive. Just thinking back, I mean, IRC is like one thing, but then I was also like remembering Cork Express. And oh, remembering, God. Do you remember the Easter egg? No. What? Because I was never a Cork person. Ah, that, was after, that... that was after my time. Before your time? 
Yeah, one of those. <laughs> I became unstuck in time yeah. is the problem. Yeah, there's an Easter egg. And so I had to look it up. I actually looked it up last night because I was like, I kind of remember there was like an alien or something, but I couldn't remember what it looked like. And it was like a key combination. If you pressed it, an oh. alien would come out and would shoot your document or something. What? I can't remember what it would do. Like, All right. it would, Yeah, there's probably a thing on YouTube if you search and see like... Oh yeah, Quark 4.1 Easter egg. I don't know if there was more than that one. That was the only one that I remember. Oh, just, oh is it playing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. A very tiny alien that has fired some sort of weapon at a rectangular frame that's turned it sort of rainbow. <laughs> yeah. I want to say it would potentially like get rid of your document or your artwork and then you had to command Z out of it. I don't remember. Well, I'm seeing another video now called Quark versus InDesign Alien Wars, which is the worst possible, the worst possible movie that you could create. Also, now that we're talking about this, I'm having crazy flashbacks that I'm curious to look up. I remember on my PC, you know, in college, I had a application that was like a desktop pet. It was like a dog. Oh, sure. You could like throw a ball. Yeah, and that was a big thing. It. What was that called? Like there's got to be. It I'm... wasn't Bonsai Buddy, was it? Mm, that doesn't sound familiar. Yeah. Bonsai Buddy was, I think, the one that kind of broke that mold. Yeah. Um, but there were definitely ones before that. Like I remember, God, what was it? I think it was called Nico Cat. It's like the. Which uh, was like a virtual pet that someone had built for like early Mac. It was all black and white and really tiny. That just lived on your desktop it would live in a window because i don't oh. think the mac system the at that time had the ability just, to i mean i think that i had it on a pc but the dog would run all over your desktop wow oh <laughs> Some, I've shifted my attention back to the screen and there were the InDesign print dialog box, which is completely unchanged from how it is today, oh, wow. uh, had an alien just kind of take over your printing document. Yeah. Quark versus InDesign Alien Wars. This video promises so much with this title. <laughs> It will never, it will never reach that height. Flying toasters are oh, flying toasters are badass. I love those. Yeah, flying toasters. If you don't know, the old computers, you actually needed to have a screensaver. Like your screen would get messed up if you didn't use one, but you had to pay for it. So there was this company called After Dark. Um, I didn't realize it was a separate application. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, it was, it that. was not standard. But After Dark made screensavers. They made a lot of different packs. Like when I was growing up, we had a Simpsons, one that I wish I could find mm. more documentation of because it was just glorious. Like there was definitely like original writing wow. for that. And the Simpsons were rendered in these gorgeous like pixel art ways that looked really good. Yeah. But like their big thing, the thing that made them famous was that they had a screensaver that was just like toasters at like a 45 degree angle, that isometric yeah. perspective with wings just old-fashioned like 50s toasters I kind of want to make a drawing of it now. They're mm. gorgeous. When there's like the black and white one but the color one before they switched it to 3D which looked terrible. But the color one is my favorite. Mm. Um, I, I need to like research all these things now that as they flood back. <laughs> I think there's, uh, more, part, part, there's more alien battles also happening. <laughs> we're talking and they're just getting dumber. I think part of it is maybe even a segue into the work I brought. I remember those things because I'm looking at work from that time period and yeah. thinking about how I created them because it was using Macromedia freehand and Microsoft Publishing, which is crazy that I used some Microsoft product to lay things out. It was funny going through trying to figure out like what is the oldest piece of graphic design-ish things that I've touched yeah. And then it was also weird for me to think like, oh, I actually did do a loosely air quotes graphic design in my undergrad, which I was studying marketing. Yeah. So I had no business trying to <laughs> make any sort of graphic 
piece of work that I brought with us. So, so you had not had any sort of formal art education no, of any kind all, no, at nothing. that stage. So I put on all the concerts for the university. Like I was given a budget of $20,000 a year to bring people in and, Damn. and put on shows. And if I didn't spend it all, I lost it. And I had like a staff of volunteers who helped run the shows and stuff. And so I had a radio show with an indie sort of radio station. I feel like the beginning of gig posters was happening and so I was really into that and I even hired some gig poster artists to do the posters for the show when I had a budget for it. It was a good time putting all these shows together and I, I could go on about like the different bands. This is how I met Modest Mouse. This is I Which, met Dave Grohl from the Foo Fighters. Like, have there was you, a have weird... you ever told the story of your Modest Mouse experience on anything? No. Because I... <laughs> that's kind of a wild I don't think I have story. either. And I almost brought one of those, but I didn't design that poster. That was actually a gig poster one, even though it was a super small show for like 400 people. Yeah. But I brought some pieces that were smaller shows or, I mean, I'm surprised I didn't get one done for the Henry Rollins, like yeah, a gig poster. Was, that's the one that's sitting right on top. He's got that sort of like 19th century painting thing where no matter where you are in the room, he's looking at you. Oh, yeah. And he's very angry. And very intimidating. <laughs> Well, and the funniest thing, I actually have never told this story, I think, on any sort of recording of it, which I think will be exclusive. Exactly. Yeah. No, this is this is uh, definitely some exclusive information. You can cut that. (laughs) But um, it's exclusive, everybody. Yeah. It was a spoken word event in which he was doing pretty like heavily at the time touring the country doing spoken word. I went to school at Washington State University in Pullman, Washington, which is the middle of nowhere, eastern Washington. Lots of snow in the winter. Ugh. And I remember it being this crazy incident where he was flying into the Spokane airport, was supposed to, I think, take a small plane down to our university. Oh, no. But the flights had been canceled or something. Like, you couldn't take a, a flight. And so I had to drive to Spokane in my crappy little Saturn that I had like inherited from an uncle. Actually, I think I paid for, but they... You uh, you always end up paying for a Saturn one way or another. Such a weird car. Um, (laughs) What if we made a car entirely out of plastic? Yeah. So Weird, it's bad. Yeah, and so I'm driving that in this insane snowstorm. Oh my God. And I can't even remember how... That's like a one-wheel drive car. Yeah, and I'm trying (laughs) to remember how... like traction for sure. I think it's like an hour-long drive. I'm not exactly sure, but it's a decent amount of time. I get to the airport and he's waiting outside in a t-shirt and like pants that are, I think, were ripped or like very just like... His uniform. Yeah, yeah. Like not prepared for a snowstorm. <laughs> um, How long had he been standing outside like this? I don't this? know. That, I mean, yeah, that's that's a good question. I wish I had more, like, better documentation. Maybe, of maybe he's just period. one of those guys that's just like, oh, yeah, I need to cool off. Yeah. Let me just dip myself into the cold air. Oh. Yeah. I mean, and he probably could withstand most things, but he... <laughs> There's only one way to find out. Yeah. So he gets in the car and we're driving back to Pullman. And we're already, I think at that point, already noticing like we're late. The performance is going to like. Oh, God, it's this close. Yeah. Yeah. It was that day. And we're driving. And then all of a sudden my windshield wipers freeze off of the windshield. (laughs) 
<laughs> it was so cold and icy and we had to like pull over and get out and he gets out with me and is like I just remember having this like this is so surreal Henry Rollins is standing on the other side of my car and we're in a snowstorm and we're scraping the ice off of my <laughs> windshield wipers and I'm like this is like a, a once in a life like I don't even know like it, it still doesn't seem real to me but I mean, I was kind of like, I had, I don't never like continued listening to him. It would be amazing if he somehow worked it into one of his shows because <laughs> it's, de- it was definitely like material that he could have used. And there's more than that. So oh. we get to the university. I had to introduce him to a huge ballroom of people that had been waiting. I can't remember how late we were. So you're like getting out of the car and you're straight into yeah. the auditorium. Yeah. Wow. And I'm not like a talk in front of people person, let alone. Yeah. Like how, a, how many people do you think were there? There was probably, I want to say around a thousand, Jesus, thousand people. Wow. Yeah. So I had to introduce him and I told a little mini story of like why we were late. <laughs> Did his performance. was great. Then the next day, I remember I like went to class, came back from class and I had a message. The weirdest thing is I think I had my phone somehow hooked up to my computer. And so I had like answering oh. machine on my computer and... It was a message from Henry saying, hey, Jason, it's Henry. I'm stuck here at the airport. And he needed to go. I can't remember what the deal was. And he was like screwed by this airport over and over again. Asking for a ride. I later found out through like, I think it was his management because I don't think I talked to him again. There was like somebody that was also stuck with him that was transporting like rats that were like, okay, to be experimented on. And... What even? And that guy gave him a ride. Well, and I I mean, our, the university is like an ag school. So there was all sorts of like (laughs) crazy animal, I think, experiments going on as far as I know. Just doing a little Uber pool with Henry Rollins and the rat guy. (laughs) Which I wish I would have been there for that. That's a double act, really. You know, the rat guy's the opener, but you know, half the crowd's there to see him. Yeah. So the poster from that. Yeah. Which looks Honestly, knowing that you didn't know anything about design looks pretty good. It's funny because I can see the inkling of like, okay, this is maybe a field I should go into because I have some natural instincts. So to describe the piece, a giant photo of Henry Rollins that takes up three quarters of the page. Yeah. Yeah. Henry Rollins is on a black background and then there's just the paper white on the right. And the type is super heavy, but it's crossing over the boundary. And so like Henry Rollins, that text is white when it's over his photo, but black on the other side. And like, that's a complex thing to do. Yeah. With whatever with the a photo, especially. Yeah. yeah. And, and just trying to think of how I made the decisions of like what actually crossed over. Cause part of it is like there's type just clearly on one side and it's broken up. Yeah. But then some of it's the words go over. Like what that allows you is there's a really clear sense of hierarchy like that November 21st. That's an important thing. And it's really singing reversed out like that. You've created so much tension just by splitting it. And then to have that type crossing over sometimes like creates so much more tension stretching that type. You you have a couple other posters here, too. Yeah. So these are all from that period. So we had a couple different venues. We had the ballroom area that the Henry Rollins event was, and that's where Foo Fighters and Ween played. But a lot of the shows were in the Butch's Den, which was in the basement. <laughs> 
And <laughs> That's I, a I terrible will give the, name. explain that the mascot for Washington State University, which is uh, Cougar. God. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can tell I'm not one of those people that you're, are you're diehard. Not, like, you're not sports. a citizen of Cougar Town. Yeah, it sounds like, but uh, yeah. So the mascot's name was Butch. <laughs> so Butch is then, and it was like a, Butch is dead. Oh no! Yeah, then. Oh, so it less dramatic. Does it say yeah? Butch is then. Yeah, so Butch then, is then. Much smaller venue, like a couple hundred people. So this one's interesting. I don't even. You can go ahead and describe it. Yeah. So the top says Friday the Thirteenth Dead Week. All ages rock show pond with special guests in list and vehicle. 8 p.m. Butch's Den, basement of Cub. Five dollars at the door. Brought to you by ASWSU Entertainment. <laughs> Having a W in there really kind of throws the rhythm off. And so many S's. Associated students of Washington State University. I think. <laughs> I think that's what it's it was. important to know that they're associated. Which is funny because we it was called just the entertainment committee is what we would call it. Do you want to describe what's going yeah, on? Yeah. So with you've the got type? this is extremely bold type. Sort of the opposite hierarchically of what was going on with the Henry Rollins poster. Other than like Pond, Enlist, and Vehicle are all very large. The bands are the definitely the feature. Yeah, it should be noted also that Enlist is spelled I-N, like LinkedIn. Maybe that's what they became. They became LinkedIn. Yeah. There's another band, Vehicle. <laughs> which was a Portland band. It's claim to fame, which I, I don't think a lot of people in Portland know that Andy Ricker of Pock Pock fame oh, used, yeah. to, used to play music. And he was in this band called Vehicle. He was... Oh, wild. Yeah, he was the bass player. And I still, to this day, think it's a great record. I think it's on Spotify and all of the different platforms, Apple Music, whatever. And if you don't know, Andy Ricker is a restaurateur who has been like covered by Vice and all yeah. of these major... I, he's, I think he's a national... International. Yeah, probably. Yeah, known. And I think at the time he was painting houses and then he was in the band. (laughs) The traditional Portland just kind of doing everything all at once. And the great thing also, speaking of design and promotion, the reason why I booked them, because I don't think I had heard of them at the time. They're like really small. I don't think they even toured a lot from what I remember. So I would get promos from record labels all the time of like, we want this band to play here. You're always talking to like managers or people like that that wanted us to have their bands and they sent a kit like a box of probably a cassette along with some incense and one of those mini bottles of whiskey <laughs> which is now remembering back is kind of crazy to think that they sent alcohol through the mail like yeah that. had a had a real optimistic sense of and, uh, who uh, would receive that also i don't think i was 21 at the time either <laughs> But yeah, in terms of like doing something to set yourself apart and because I would get so many demos that I was just like not even listen to some of them. Yeah, just like blank CD Especially if it was like poorly designed something and look like garbage. Yeah, that's clearly like, you know. No effort. uh, Learn how to not smoke with the label peeled off and the tape over the little right protect tabs on the top yeah yeah so this this poster also so it's very very bold type fully justified as taking up the whole frame of the poster which i'm still actually a fan of yeah justified type we were talking about this with another poster but like you see this up on a wall and it's gonna draw you in because it's it's loud and proud (laughs) but like also all the type kind of has this sort of radiating effect coming off of it which is one of the crazier parts of it like i'm like yeah i don't even know how i would have 
created that in whatever freehand. It's like putting a outline 50 times. Yeah. And they're, it. they're all kind of different too. Like the big type has a different amount of outline than the small type. It's not like you just selected everything and applied that. There's some variety there. Yeah. And you also have a really wonderful wavy guy going on in the background. I want to say a that's a fingerprint. Yeah, I don't even know why I remember that, but yeah. Which is also weird. Like, where did I come up with that? Like to think that I was thinking conceptually <laughs> in that way and what the concept actually was. Well, it's dead weak. So yeah. maybe maybe you were trying to go something to connect with the human body, but yeah. also feel a little psychedelic. So we've come to the last poster here. Yeah. Do you want to tell us actually about this friend? I mean, I was a big music fan. I It's really shaped a lot of where I ended up, what I ended up doing after school. And I started a record label at this time in college because I found out I could get credit for starting a business. I always say that that was my education. This was for an off-campus show. So the headliner is this band called Aiden, who I highly recommend everybody going to check out. A-D-E-N. A-D-E-N. Great indie pop. Still some of my favorite albums. So I was really excited about them playing. I have no idea how I got to do the poster or what if I was promoting it or whatever, but it was off campus at a house at the place called the White House, <laughs> which I love the address. I've heard of that place. The, the address is oh. 405 Paradise, which I'm like, <laughs> that's all you had to put on the poster to know how to get there, I guess. It seems like it doesn't need a name if it's just called 405 know, Paradise. Like, That's a weird. pretty good name. Yeah. Why didn't they just call it that? Yeah. The White House is kind of a dumb name. But yeah, so it's a landscape with basically a silhouette of a landscape with trees in the back. Mm. And then basically what you would probably imagine is a family and they're carrying what seems to be like a picnic basket. The major silhouette of the ground area is where I decided to put the names of the bands. So it was Aiden, Ashtray Boy, which I... And then <laughs> Very random. Ashtray boy. Yeah. And I have like to the right of those names, I have arrows pointing arrows? from- Arrows? Arrows. Arrows. I have arrows pointing to the band names with a starburst to the right of that that says from Chicago. Illinois. From Chicago, Illinois. Yeah. It's Arrows. I think this is the worst design out, out of the three. Well, I mean, I think this is one I think that we were talking about the most before the show. I think there's a lot of smart decisions that you make with it. Like, it, this is a wide. This is, a, this is oh, not yeah. a tall poster. This is a wide poster. That's true. Which, like... You don't see very often. And when you do see, you take notice of. Yeah. Because so, it's different. So it was 11 by 17. Yeah. Um, and then I yeah, designed it sideways. And I like I always wonder, too, like I'm guessing this was probably meant to be on like telephone bowls and stuff. There. No, I think at the school it was more like on bulletin boards. Oh. I think is where you would put them up or in dorms and stuff. That makes sense. Um. So yeah, the other interesting decision was that I put like the date and the location not horizontal. I don't know how would you sideways. describe it. I put it sideways. Yeah. So you'd have to turn to see that. Um and then below the two bigger bands, I did have a little bit of hierarchy, I would say. And then uh, also an interesting choice, which I didn't really consider too, is like it goes from the sort of headlining band to the Two local bands, two of Pullman's finest, is what what the <laughs> Starburst says. Those are like they go gradually from white to like a darker gray. Yeah, well, and I think like that's that's some smart hierarchy stuff going on there. But I also think like setting setting the date and location out like that makes it feel like it's like this frame kind of, and that like having it be different like that kind of draws you in. 
And then four dollars at the door, four bands for four bucks in parentheses. <laughs> so affordable. Yeah. The cheapest way to visit the White House, I would say. So you also brought in some albums because you mentioned earlier you started an album. A record label. Record label. That's what we call them. <laughs> yeah. So I guess before you, we get into those, yeah. I should say, so as I kind of briefly mentioned, actually it was sort of through, the show might have been at this place called The White House and it wasn't a show that I organized, but it was Modest Mouse was playing. Yeah. Before they were known to anyone. I mean, they were playing at a house. Yeah. Like probably to like- <laughs> The White House though. To like- 405 Paradise. Maybe like 20 people or something. Um <laughs> Wasn't Half of it? whom are talking to each other. Yeah. An insane show. I remember being blown away. I don't remember if they had a record out that we were playing at the station. The show was insane. So much energy. And then at the show, I think I had already talked to my college advisor about starting a record label yeah. while I was a DJ at the station. Um, I was really inspired by all these indie labels and I could tell that like some of them were just sort of this one person operation yeah and like at that time everything was so diy uh, so i asked modest mouse i was like do you would you be interested in putting out a seven inch vinyl record single and they said yes i just emailed my favorite record label at the time which was double agent records and peter i believe was the guy that ran it so then i quickly like had to like figure out by emailing him find out oh, I use this pressing plant in Czechoslovakia to press the record. So I ended up having to email this, like, without it. They don't, I don't believe they had a website or anything at this time. It was just how did, like... How did you discover this place? <laughs> just through him. He was like, this is what I use. Use them. Huh. And yeah, you had to, I had to email them. And then they probably, I think they sent me back like a price list. I printed 500 records. And so I designed the cover with the drummer from the band, Jeremy. And he had a whole concept of what he wanted. And we kind of collaborated. We ended up like screen printing a sort of a vellum paper that was translucent. So you could see... Yeah. The baby blue vinyl. Like you didn't bring it in today. You've shown it to me in the past and it's really pretty. Yeah. It's funny. I wasn't thinking about being a designer or anything at the time, but packaging was really important to me. So I spent probably more money than most people did at that time for packaging and we had it screen printed. Part of the thing was I had a baby blue shirt that I loved and I cut a swatch of it off, (laughs) nailed it to them and said, I want to match this color. Oh, which not like you sacrificed your beloved shirt for yeah. this album and i like thinking about it now it's like i had no idea what pantones were then <laughs> like i don't even know if they knew what pantones were no yeah they sent it back and it looked amazing they matched the color but the actual label for the record was supposed to be printed in, in like the silver color and they, it was printed in black oh and then also when i got it back it like not only that but then i was like uh, i don't like this design of the it was called hit or miss records and the logo that i made was uh target with an arrow coming out of it after seeing i was like oh i want to center it so that the center of the target is on the hole for the record i was able to redesign it and they gave me the 500 extra for free since they screwed up oh so i had the 500 that were the way that i wanted them that i sold at record stores and things like that the other 500 that they gave me for free i was like well now i have these records that i can use to promote the record yes so i hired a pr company that (laughs) 
at the time. I'm assuming they probably Damn. still have these. Is like indie labels at that time. Yeah. Some of these small labels would hire a PR company that would service all these small labels. And was this something that the the guy at Double Agent had told you I to think, do? Or? I think he had used them. I know there was this other label called March Records who I really liked. This guy named Skippy ran it, and I'm pretty sure I was in touch with him about it. So they shipped those to all the radio stations all over the country. I, I can't remember. I feel like it was in like music magazines for like top spins at college radio wow. and stuff like that. Um, it's kind of a collector's item. You can see them on eBay and stuff. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> that was the first album that you put out on your record yeah. label. But and then the second one. This is basically, I mean, uh, this podcast could go on forever. I feel like this is, you're going to have to do a lot of editing. But, yeah, I always do. But it's, so it's the curse of this idea. The interesting part that I think connects this all to the trajectory of my career was for the second record, I had read in a fanzine an interview with this band in New York. who was called The I Live the Life of a Movie Star Secret Hideout. <laughs> Not the most marketable name no, in the world. No, it sounds like maybe a couple sentences got run together there. Not only was I a fan of the interview, they had two records, I think, at the time that were, I think, EPs. And Adam, the guy in the band, was a student at Cooper Union. And so was going to school for design. Oh. Actually screen printed all of these covers by hand and they were just beautiful. Like they're still like some of my favorite designed albums. So I put out their first album and spent extra like more money than I should have on the packaging. Most people would do like a jewel case or whatever, yeah. which was very common. And I ended up doing this kind of a cardboard like yeah. fold out thing. So it was like one piece of cardboard folded that was printed and then the plastic sort of like regular, glued, onto, glued that. onto it. And so Adam designed this. I probably didn't have any input on it since he was the real designer, but that was transparent. So you saw the artwork behind that and I printed, I can't remember because it was like the minimum, I want to say a thousand, but it could have even more than that. And and it didn't sell that well. Oh, no. So Was that the, the death knell? Of... Yeah, exactly. The biggest thing that came out of that, I think, was um, they got written up in Rolling Stone for the longest band name, I think, <laughs> known at the time. That's certainly been surpassed by now. Yeah. Adam, the lead singer's amazing drummer, ended up going and being a drummer for this band, Mooney Suzuki, who was really big at the time and toured with them all over the world. But then after college, he moves out to Portland. He ended up staying at my parents' house for a little bit while he'd like try to get jobs and figured out a place to stay. He eventually gets in at Wyden Kennedy, working in the studio as a designer there. The big ad agency you're in town. Yeah. Global. Global. Yeah, several offices. And that had been like a goal. Because after college, I still didn't think of design as a career. I thought of advertising seemed to be the thing that you would make money from. And so I'm like, I want to work at White and Kennedy. I want to be a creative, even though I don't have any portfolio, any sort of way to transition into that career. He was working there and I had worked at some small agencies doing a variety of like internships and craziness, working at a, like a telemarketing phone place for a while that I ended up <laughs> quitting and just like leaving and not coming back to. Like I'm like going to I think to lunch. that's the standard way that you- I'm going to lunch. <laughs> did not place. come back. I, mean, I got I to gotta go get some cigarettes. Exactly. And then he was like, oh, we have an opening for a junior like interactive producer. And at the time, interactive was just getting started. There wasn't a lot of people that had education in interactive, but I no. was like making my own website at the time or whatever. And so I had enough knowledge to like speak the language and was able to get a job there. So that was kind of the start of that. And that my story is so long and convoluted. <laughs> I, I've been doing this for too long. I'm like... 
too old to like con- <laughs> condense condense a career down to a, a short podcast. Well, you know, it doesn't have to be like that. Should we talk about these last two? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Because um, you brought in two CDs here. This is Dear Nora, the New Year EP. Do you know that man? Uh, the name sounds really familiar. I'm sure I've heard them. So randomly, this cover uh, actually looks really familiar to me. There's been a kind of a resurgence with them because there's a lot of current indie pop bands that have referenced them as inspiration mm. and also highly recommend all their records. But my brother-in-law was the owner of the record label that they were on. Magic Marker Records. records. Yeah, he was one of the two owners that started the label. And that's how kind of we became friends too, is we had record labels, we're into the same thing when I'm to Portland, we connected over music and stuff. So I think I was still, I don't even know what I was designing that made them think that I could do that either. <laughs> but uh, they let me design that record. It's that one really I'm not, beautiful. I think out of everything I brought, like that one is the thing that I'm like, look back and I'm like, I can stand by that. Yeah, this is definitely like the most timeless design, but you've got like pink on the, I don't know what you call that, the spine, the spine, but it's like the front spine. And then you've got like this sort of pink strap that sort of starts to wrap around and then it's white on the back with this black and white photo on the front and like this really beautiful like cherry blossom photo on the back. And now that I remember actually i did another record for them that i designed i think the main thing with that one is katie the lead singer provided the photos wanted to use the photos it's very subtle on this one like i think a lot of the other examples you're going really loud but like you've got just kind of this very minimal arrangement on the back it feels very quiet in a way that feels like appropriate and like on the album itself which like the the disc is pink it's the same pink as my coat almost (laughs) And, and I, now, you know, looking and back this at that, cushion. Yeah, <laughs> looking back at that, that was, you know, I, I mean, I don't know if that was intentional in terms of me listening to music and being like, this needs to be kind of subdued because their yeah. previous record, I think, was more up tempo, like their first record. And this was an EP. But yeah, but you've got like the only text that's on here is just Dear Nora, really, really small, like probably like 10 point or something like that. Yeah. No track listing on the CD or anything. No. Which is, I mean, I feel like that was like a really unusual thing in that era. It was still like just print everything on there and 12 different logos for weird technologies that don't make any sense. But it's also just like so weird to think about me doing design when I didn't necessarily consider myself a designer. You think this was sometime in 2001 that you made this, which like I, I feel like the things, this is a very unusual aesthetic for 2001. It's like really looking forward, I feel like. Oh, thanks. Yeah, that's. It's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, I'm, I stand by that one. I did a couple other things for his label. And yeah, I think that's where I maybe started coming into like, okay, I think I'm doing better at this. Yeah. And I it was at the end of working at Wyden, which was 2004. I got cancer and that's a whole nother story on itself. But I decided at that point that I wanted to focus on design. Yeah. And I went back to Clackamas Community College, took some classes, but didn't finish because at the time my wife was working at Dark Horse and there was an opportunity to be a freelance designer there. That was kind of like the official point of like, okay, I'm working in design, doing packaging and catalog design. So that was kind of my real first experience through working at Widen and being friends with all the people in the design department and really wanting to work there. I think eventually one of the studio managers had left and went to work for Nike skateboarding and he needed some freelance help and asked if I would come in and work with them. And I mean, yeah, it's still weird to think that I work there even. And 
It all seems You've done like a lot of stuff. It's it doesn't it, when I talk about it, it seems like it's almost an out of body experience where I'm like, oh, I did that thing. Like <laughs> that's weird. Like I worked on that thing, and I'm never like I don't talk about it in yeah in a way of like there's people that fanboy out about Nike skateboarding, and it's not like I'm like oh I designed that thing or that I don't know. It's hard for me to take credit for anything, even though I think yeah. a lot of that has to do with being a collaborative process especially with a, like a large company oh i think i think that's a big part of it but i think to circle back around i think some of it also is just like we are kind of invisible as like players in so many of these projects like yeah to look at this album like the immediate big experience that you have when you buy an album is like you are looking at the album you are holding the album the objectness of it is like a huge huge part of it and then yeah. you you have to go through a whole process to actually invoke the musical part of yeah. it that's like a whole separate component almost than yeah. what you're paying for and like to make an experience like this is like a huge thing at the time like in college like i listened to certain labels just because they had an amazing aesthetic yeah like march records at the time teen beat records like there was all these labels that aesthetics were a big part of what their identity was yeah jason if people want to find you and your work on the internet how would they go about doing that i think the place i would recommend at first would just be instagram that's where i put a lot of things and i update that the most i update my site i think sort of about, every... about as often as any graphic designer exactly. does which is like, not terribly often when i realize that i have products that i should put up there <laughs> I just don't know if people look at websites anymore. Yeah, like, it's not so much a thing, I feel like. I feel like people find me through Instagram, yeah. but my commercial work is on my website, jasonsturgill.com. I also registered the domain JGSPDX, which is also my Instagram handle, JGSPDX, which is my you've, first- You've got a short URL. Jason Garland Sturgill is my full name, so that's what JGS is, PDX. I think that forwards to, but I never tell people that. <laughs> too convoluted so if you don't want to type it all the way out you can try that jgspdx yeah. I mean, dot com it, i assume yeah 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 but otherwise it's jasonsturgill.com well it's funny that you were when you on terrans when you guys started looking up archive to see if uh you could pull up because i was like <laughs> that was the first thing that i thought of yeah once i heard that was like what do i pull up and because i had a website called sinkingships.com <laughs> That was my first portfolio what? website. What? Why? And I have no idea why I had that name. It sounds like a band name yeah. is, is kind of the heart of it. I didn't, there wasn't a project that I had for it. I don't know if I was thinking it's like a company name, but. Yeah, just you're trying to throw some shade at I don't ships. even know what was on there, like, to be honest. And so I was like curious and I put it in there and it didn't save anything. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for well, being here. Thank you for having me. I'm honored to be on it. And thank you to the listener who is listening listening to this, the words that I am saying. But if you enjoyed this show, why not hop onto the service that you use to listen to it and find the way in which you can leave comments and feedback and questions. I don't think you stars. can. Stars especially, yes. If there's a venue for stars, um, if there's a venue for Cinemax, if there's <laughs> a venue for uh showtime is that another one yes then hop on there and leave me some stars i prefer five of them if that's possible uh unless that's a bad thing on the service that you yeah. have unless it's a 10 star rating yeah if it's a 10 star rating system don't give me five stars <laughs> give me an additional give me five and then an additional five <laughs> but submit them all together and also please leave a review because i still only have one review and that is actually something that really matters a lot on which platform on itunes oh. or whatever they call it now iTunes. 
Apple Podcasts. Yeah. Not as fun to say. Is it clear that I'm very old from calling it iTunes? <laughs> I think it should be. The other thing that you can do that would be super, super helpful is tell a friend about this show, whether they're a designer or not, because, you know, this is the kind of show that I feel like would be a good introduction or maybe a terrible introduction. Who knows? You can also follow us on various services. I would encourage you to go to our website, did I do that dot design, where you can get all those good links. Now, I am Sean. Schumacher. And this is Did I Do That? And as we always say at the end of the show, yo, 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 yo. That's what we always say. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> <laughs> It's so funny to think about the different tech that we lived through that a lot of people kind of forgot about or you don't think about it at all in yeah. terms of like, I mean, they are reintroducing LimeWire or whatever. What, really? Yeah, somebody bought it and they're making like, <laughs> turning it into like an NFT distribution Ugh, platform God. or something, which just sounds I mean, awful. it was originally for stealing, so returning it to stealing yeah, feels like exactly. <laughs> the most appropriate use, I guess. One of his friends' mom runs the roller derby, and tonight's their season opener. Oh. And so he is going, and with his friends, are going to have a job of watching out for the Portland Pickles mascot who's going to be there to because they're a sponsor <laughs> or something. <laughs> Yeah. What what happens if they find him? Well, they're there to protect him. Protect the protect him from the, from like, the roller derby. I think, I think also not necessarily protect him, but like just being aware, like helping them in their weird costume. To, just running interference, yeah. kind of. Or she's just saying that to make them think <laughs> that they're doing something and making them feel important. Yeah, we we need to we need to distract the children in some way. Yeah, yeah you're uh, in charge of the pickle mascot guy. Yeah, yeah sure, exactly. why not? Um, and you you're in charge of that light switch. Yeah, you got to watch it. Make sure nobody turns it on or off. Yeah.